Hello and welcome to the Relationship Breakthrough Show from Aligned With Love. I'm Matt. And I am Rebecca. This is the place for people to have a magical, loving, intimate relationship. Thanks for joining us now. Let's get started. Hi, Veronica. How are you? I'm so good. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. It's my pleasure. Today we have Veronica here who helps conscious women create committed, emotionally connected and fun relationships with men. She has been working as a coach and conscious relationship teacher since 2019, helping thousands to transform loneliness and relationship anxiety into self-trust, authentic connection and inner spiritual power. Let's dive in, Veronica. My question to you is, what is polarity? <laughs> And what is, why is it so important in relationships? Yeah, in my coaching, I focus a lot on polarity because it's the natural attraction between the masculine and the feminine, which is like opposites. And so let's say in a let's say in a standard couple, the male feels best when he is masculine and the woman when she, when she's feminine. And when both are at the opposite ends of the spectrum, this means like they're like a magnet, you know, that kind of like attract each other, but there's also like a little bit of tension and that makes the relationship really, really fun, especially also on an intimate level. But I think if you do very conscious polarity, it can also, what it also contributes is that the relationship becomes very harmonious and that actually the man and the woman can really work well together and just feel both like that their needs are met, you know, they feel super happy in the relationship. And then we have, you know, these long lasting couples that are together for like 20 years and are still super much in love with like 50 or 60 years old. That's right. I'm curious to know about what you mentioned. It creates polarity, attraction, but it, it, polarity creates attraction and it also creates some tension. Yeah. Can you talk to us about that tension? Yes. So, um, I explained it a bit like this because one of my clients, male clients, he was very confused because he said, Oh, I have no issue, um, talking to a woman and in initiating contact, but then I get friend zoned. And I said, okay, I said, you need to be 80% really good man who makes a woman feel really safe. And then 20%, you need to be dangerous. <laughs> and that's the tension that we want to talk about because there has to be a little bit of attention for that sizzling, for that fun to be there in the relationship. And with women in particular, it's like they want to feel that you're super strong. And that you're kind of like a bit of a warrior. And the warrior is a good man, but is also a bit dangerous, right? He could potentially like kill a whole army. And that's within him. And that's what she wants to feel. And that's why how she feel actually feels even more safe. And also uh, that's how she feels fun. But of course, if the tension is too much, you know, if either the man becomes mean or is constantly putting her down, or for example, there's always this chaos energy, this explosion in the relationship, then it doesn't work because there has to be a level of harmony and safety for, you know, it's kind of like this fertile ground that the relationship can even grow. Okay. So how does that masculine tension Danger. How does the max masculine danger looks like in practice? Hmm. Yeah. So, for example, let's say when you're dating, a very simple way to do that is to tease a woman, like you know, in like a charming way. 
So to flirt with her, to like make jokes with her, sometimes, for example, say something that she's a bit unsure about, should she kind of like feels excited. You know, it's like a little bit of a, I say like a little, a tiny spark of kind of like negative emotion. Like, oh, I'm not sure exactly what you mean now, or I'm not sure what's, what's going to happen now. And that's what's making her excited, but not in a way to put her down, but just to play with her a little bit. And of course, the other, apart from dating in general, in your own life, if you are a man that, you know, you have your own priorities, you have your own values, you have things that you have friends that you're loyal to, right? Like you are really this strong person automatically will create tension because you're not always going to do what she wants, right? You have your own life. And she actually wants that. You know, she doesn't want someone that is always available, that always has time, that has no other focus in his life. I understand. That's right. How are the positive ten danger I mean, how how are the feminine energy? Does that cause some danger or what's the opposite? So, sorry, what do you mean? Like that, so that if, do- the, if the masculine has this, creates this tension through this danger, how does the feminine create, create this tension? Through what? How? In practice? Yes. So, I mean, I think in general, it works a bit differently because I think that men are not necessarily so much looking for danger. I mean, of course, this fun element is always there in all relationships, right? Like if you can, if you can flirt, if you can tease each other, there's just this, this chemistry that makes things exciting. But I would say for men more, what makes them super interested um, is more that the woman is actually kind of like, quite soft and receptive actually i think that is what really hooks them um and then i would also say that um she is a woman that has a high value right that she um she 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 knows what she's worth and she for example expects you know like a good treatment of him that he actually needs to fight a bit for her and that he needs to show her that he will, that he values her, right? And that actually makes a man super excited. So it's not so much danger, I think, but it's more that he thinks, oh my God, she's a prize. You know, she's someone that she is like an amazing car that I have in my life. And I'm really honored and I take care of that car because I find it very interesting. You know, when we, sometimes we have amazing women, like absolutely wonderful, like objectively, they're like, beautiful, very successful. And then they are dating these losers. And you're like, how is that possible? But because they are so not aware of their own worth that the men just get away with it. And the men also don't perceive them as valuable, although the women are amazing, you know? So I find it very interesting on a psychological level what's what's happening here. I see. So I get a lot of women who complain about the man not showing up as a man. What does that mean? I mean, uh, why, why is, what is, what is happening that so many men, you can see, as you're saying, that they, their core energy is the masculine. However, they are, uh, some men, they're con- continuously losing their jobs, having, um, like conflicts with business partners, losing money. Some men are, have gambling addictions. Some men have porn addictions, 
you know, some many men have drinking problems and they're not supporting their partners at home, so their partners don't feel appreciated by the job that they do by raising the children, cleaning the house, cooking and all these things. And so so what is going on? How can a woman be receptive <laughs> and soft with a man like that? Yeah, 100%. I mean, this is really what you're just saying is really the, the modern struggle struggle of modern relationships. I mean, I would say that one part of this, of course, is in general how dysfunctional and unhealthy our society is, right? Like all the things you were just mentioning. I mean, it's rampant, right? All the dissections, mental health disorders, so many hidden behaviors just basically with helps people to cope, right? Because society is so unhealthy. That, of course, is a whole problem, right? And especially with men, I mean, I would say that the mental health crisis is worse because there's still so much stigma around that they shouldn't talk. They often have very bad relationships with other men. They have no one to talk to. So all this unhealthy behavior comes from that, right? Because it's a way to relieve this pressure that's on them. So that's this one conversation. And then the other conversation here is uh, what you were saying about when he's not showing up when he's not doing the providing. And actually what that means from a polarity level that he is not in his masculine, right? Because um, a real masculine man, like one of the most important things for him is providing, being in integrity and yeah, basically caring for his family. For a healthy male, that's usually the number top one, you know, of his priority list. So things get all messed up when we don't see that. And I really interesting framework to explain this is the nice guy syndrome yeah uh, which i'm sure you're so familiar with yeah. because <clears throat> in this men are actually disowning their own masculinity and suppressing a lot of these impulses which would make the mask which would make the masculine so they're kind of like either hiding in like a child or like a teenage role with the woman however the problem is that very often women then play into this because they actually put themselves also in the mother role. So in a way they are like enabling this behavior because they are then taking on all the responsibility. They're doing the finances, you know? And of course it's understandable because they say, oh, but if I don't do it, who does it? But in my experience, if you as a woman um, sit back a little bit and really focus on what's happening within you and really focus on your own needs, and sort of like stop taking hyper responsibility for everything all the time, the masculine will show up because actually that's really what he's yearning for. I mean, he doesn't want to be this like lazy bum who constantly loses his job. You know, that's like a terrible state to be in for a man. So um when I, for example, work with women, what I teach them is that we're going to, we put all the focus away from the man. We not even think about him. We only focus about ourselves because usually these women, you know, they, they never had a man show up for them ever, right? So they become basically the man in the relationship. And they have a lot of issues with like self-love and f uh, making their own needs priority, you know, because the, all of their sort of like focus is always on the relationship, on that guy. And so we have to switch the focus back and then sort of like make space for eventually him to show up. And of course, if he's not going to show up, right, then maybe that's the point to to also end the relationship. But it's always a dynamic, you know, it's not, in my experience, it's not that like there's one person who is just sort of like contributing and who is solely responsible for this dynamic that's happening. 
I see. But how can a woman go into her natural feminine style or essence, as we call it, um, so the man takes over if <laughs> someone has to go and pick up the kids from school, someone has to pay the bill. When the internet gets cut off, someone has to pay the bill to keep working. If the man is not paying because the lady, let's say that she works at home and the guy didn't pay the internet, so she needs to go and pay the internet. We have these stories, you know, every day that we hear. Who's going to, yeah, I mean, how can a woman do that? Yeah. Yeah, so... What I found is that when when we look deeper, when when I, for example, work with such a woman, usually what I find is that at the deepest levels, there are controlling tendencies and there are ways in which she could stop, you know, where it was not so drastic, like the incident gets cut off or something intense happens. But, you know, something very much smaller, like, for example, many women I know, they have this real... um fear that if they don't have the household perfectly like the world is collapsing for example right so they are like relentlessly um telling their men that they need to do the household a certain way wash the dishes da 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 da, da. and that's the point where to said okay I want to practice to stop um to st- to start giving up control because usually what happens is that when in this minor thing right even if he doesn't do it right nothing bad happens if she starts giving off control and she gives him a chance to actually, you know, show up and just do it like his own way, he's not going to do it like she wants it, but you know, she's going, he's going to do it in his own way. He's get, getting more confidence back. And then more and more and more, she can shift out of this way where she is the mother when can le- let him be actually a man and take more and more responsibility. But it's usually it's a really limiting belief. You know, this thing, if I don't do it, it will not get done. In my experience, it's like a story that they tell themselves. But actually, if we start chipping on it, and of course, it's not going to happen in one day. But if slowly, slowly, and we start with things that are not, you know, life and death, then usually this balance get restored. And yeah, what ends up happening is that the women realizing, oh my gosh, a lot of this was really in my mind. And I didn't have to grasp so hard. Things are also moving and I can trust him also. Okay, I see. I have a question that comes to my mind, Veronica. Burning, burning question. You know that... Imagine the concept of a bad flatmate comes to my mind. Imagine that a guy is like doing the dishes, kitchen made a mess, food in the hall of the sink... Water splashed everywhere, mixed with shit of wood, and like, you know, it's um, it's not good enough for the woman, uh, and that's what I call a bad flatmate, mm. <laughs> because you know that they have uh, different styles. The feminine style, the masculine style, is not the same. You know how many women tend to do things. What happens when suddenly a man and a woman live together, and they're not good flatmates for each other? Because the woman is dem- very demanding, according to the man, controlling, as you say. But according to the woman, the body is just freaking disgusting, out of order, <laughs> disorganized, leaving his pants on the floor, the the dirty clothes, you know. And so, so how can someone feel attracted? How can a woman feel attracted to a man who doesn't do the bed and yet, he expects her to have sex like an animal 
because you know the, the different styles with him with no bed down made a mess knickers on the floor socks on the floor maybe mix with some food on the floor some crumbs and then the woman goes to the kitchen and not only the the glasses and the mugs and the dishes are in the wrong cupboard let's just let go of that but how about the food in the sink in the hall of the sink and water everywhere and the bean of course don't forget the bean not change the, the rubbish bag How can a woman feel that she wants to surrender in his arms and be receptive and lean back and think of England? You tell me. I just know. Tell me this. I need to hear. Yeah, I I really understand you. And I think that this is a problem that many women are facing. However, I want to give you a different scenario. So... I don't know how much you know the statistics, but 25% of couples right now are sexless, like no, no intimacy in a marriage. And what I've seen in my experience is like, it's so common in long-term couples that maybe they have once, once a month sex, maybe once a week. But in general, I would say that the majority of men feel such an, in such incredible lack of intimacy. And for men, this is one of the most important needs, you know, because now we talked about the women and her important need. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm, I'm also a woman. I love a clean house. Don't get me wrong. But what I'm, what I'm thinking, um, and what I've, what I had in my experience in my own relationship is that as I used to be such a woman that really struggled to be intimate. And there was many, many reasons for this, you know, like I did a lot of therapy and like healing. But now my husband and I, we work to have this really beautiful, connected, intimate relationship. And as I'm really put so much effort in to fill this need of his, and of course, it's also a need of mine, right? As I'm getting more in touch with the side, I can tell that for him, that he wants to fulfill my needs is so much more like this, this, that he wants to make me happy, you know, that he sees me, that he sees, oh my God, she's putting effort in to really fulfill my needs. I'll do the same. And I think this is often the thing that women don't understand about men is that if your guy is like very likely like so craving for something you never give him that he then also maybe even, you know, out of a reaction of like that he wants to like revolt almost like a teenager, you know, and he says, well, come on, we can't even like sleep together every two weeks. I'm not going to do the dishes how you want it, you know? And of course, this is a vicious cycle. I really understand it, right? Because exactly what you were saying, when he is like maybe living like a pig, then there's not the attraction. But in my experience, like for all the women out there, what really helped me was to really look at how am I contributing to this and what is maybe the reasons that it this is so hard for him, you know, or he really doesn't want it. But then, of course, also, you know, we can we can go deeper. And, of course, there's ways to, you know, express your needs in a certain way and inspire his uh, his desire to make you happy and all that. We can go there. But I think if this fundamental thing is not working out and if some of his fundamental needs are not met, then the whole relationship is not on stable grounds. and But then it's very important to see that and not just see, oh, I'm the one who is unfulfilled. Very likely there's also things that are unfulfilled in him. Okay, I just think it's very complicated, right? Because how can a woman 
want to have sex with a pig. I just hear these stories. So, so that the woman needs to surrender to meet his needs, sexual needs, and then he will feel inspired to do the dishes in the right way. No, that's not that's not what I'm saying. But what I mean is that we very often look at relationship issues always from the woman's perspective. Why? Because men don't talk about it. Because that's not, you know, they don't write a thousand blogs about like how they feel in relationships. But when there is these systemic issues like this, I just don't think that the framework that the guy is just messy and a pig um, is enough. You know, I don't think that that's a worldview that really works. I think if we look deeper, we'll always see that there is like deeper issues in the relationship. Otherwise, in my experience, if, if a relationship is really mutual and if both really see each other and understand each other and have this deep connection, they want to fulfill each other's needs. Like no guy would ever be like, Oh, I see that you're really struggling with the household, but I could imagine maybe the, people you've met, maybe their relationship was not even at that level that you could even have that conversation, you know, and be like, can you understand, for example, how much that hurts me when, you know, when this is such an important value of me? Do you see what I mean? I, I always try to go really deep to the like root causes of what is creating the situation, not look at the symptom like the flat. Because what I have also found just as a lot point is that when I work with female clients and I help them, they start to prioritize the connection with the guys so much and they start to develop real emotional intimacy. And very often the household, they don't even care so much anymore because what really is created is a deep connection with the guy, you know? Mm-hmm. 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 So tell me what, what happens when there's no polarity. Yeah. So... That's also, for example, relationships that often you know where there's not a lot of intimacy and often maybe they have started because you know let's imagine a woman has been sexually abused or something then she Mm -hmm. maybe meets a man that she doesn't feel a lot of sexual attraction with and she feels really safe with him right so maybe she gets into a relationship with that or the guy could be also traumatized in some way or feeling afraid of sex right does also happen so they get into this relationship And then, yeah, what happens is usually they're not very intimate. And I think in a way they could probably coexist quite, usually they can coexist quite beautifully where they maybe are more like a friendships or it's a very cold relationship that can also happen. But yeah, in general, I think that's kind of like difficult. Or there's also, do you remember we talked about this concept of the nice guy and then the sort of like boss bitch, like, you know, when both are super masculine then of yes. course there's like a butting right. of heads and they are constantly like fighting for control or if both are too feminine, then nothing gets done. And it's like a chaotic household that doesn't go nowhere. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, I see. <laughs> so how about this, um, this polarity? Can polarity be either way regardless of gender? Do men need to be masculine and women feminine? How about the reverse polarity? I think that it's, it's fluid to an extent, but most people fall into this category that men feel good. Like there's, do you know David Data? Like he's yeah. a, yeah, exactly. So he talks about this, right? That most men feel really good in their masculine and most women feel really good in their feminine. And of course it can be the other way around, but as a hetero couple, I've never met it. 
you know, that a woman feels actually authentically really good in her feminine, but I'm sure it exists, but that's why I don't really talk about it because I think it's sort of like not too many people that it's, you know, really important to, to raise the light. And then in, in gay relationships, I find it really interesting because it seems that usually also one of them is in the masculine, one in the feminine. So it seems yeah. to be also kind of like clear roles. Mm -hmm. So, and then we see the same dynamics basically. That's right. It's so yeah. interesting. Yes. <laughs> have you, can I ask you, have you ever worked with gay couples or? Yes, yeah, sure. We did. We, we did. We do both men and also women. It's, it's super interesting. I remember a couple who came to us where they were doing really well as a couple, both men. Mm -hmm. And one of them was clearly the ma the masculine and the other one was the feminine. So the masculine one was a very successful businessman and the feminine one was a very loving and fun um, hairdresser. Ah. So the problem was that the, the businessman said to his partner, you are such a great hairdresser. Everyone loves you so much. You should make it a business he didn't want to he resisted but the other one of course with a good intention he created the business for him and those problems started to happen when that happened when when the hairdresser was not a hairdresser anymore chatting creative having fun connecting with people no Now he was doing the, the numbers, you know, making sales, controlling the budget, and every now and then talking with the clients and doing, being a bit, a bit creative. And, and that's it. And that's how we met them in that stage. Wow. wow. That's that. incredible. That's, yeah, it's, it's really feminine and masculine one on one. And yeah. did, what did happen? Did he return back to his passion? Yeah, yeah, I mean, they, they just saw everything they need to see in the first session. <laughs> It was just uh, such a breakthrough for them. Oh. And then we had also a, another couple, I remember this other one, two ladies, where one was very anxious and the other one was emotionally unavailable and also very logical. And the other one who was anxious was quite emotional. So the emotional one needed her feelings to be validated, to feel heard, to be feel listened to, understood. But the masculine lady, she was all the time, guess, doing what? Giving her unsolicited advice, trying to fix the problem, solve the problem, give her solutions. And it, they were in a, in a, in a very big mess. Uh, but then they were so lovely, so, so lovely, so grateful as well. Uh, and, you know, people go through challenges, you know, just looking for coping mechanisms, drinking problems and overworking and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, totally. Yeah. Anyway, uh, you are the expert here. So let me continue with my questions. <laughs> the good girl syndrome. Tell me about that. Yeah. So when we look at like socialization and how kids are raised, especially for little girls but yeah it's also coming more and more with little boys is that we have this pressure on them to always be really really good and nice and pleasing and you know basically do everything that the adult says and i'm really passionate about this because from a parenting perspective you know you think that oh these girls are so well adjusted and they are so you know they are make it easy for the teacher in school and oh look at my little girl she's doing so well and i totally understand that but what's actually happening inside 
is that she just represses all her instincts of aggression, um, sometimes not wanting to be nice, often her own boundaries. And then so we have this good little girl, but that good little girl is actually a mask. And very often it gets just, it continues on until adulthood. And then very often these women struggle in relationships to find themselves. They just, it's almost like then the man becomes or the partner becomes the planet or the sun and they just orbit around and orbit around. And often they have a crisis when they are in their forties or fifties. Um, maybe also after the kids are gone, they don't know who they are. And yeah, it's a real, it's a real shame because the wild, the feminine, you know, as the masculine is like wild and free and very like natural. So I really would love for parenting to change that we don't insist on, even I don't like that word, good girl or bad, or good boy. Yeah. That's right. I definitely was, I was definitely the good girl. <laughs> and then I became the controlling bitch <laughs> to compensate. <laughs> <laughs> and make sure that I wasn't going to be good girl anymore. <laughs> and then I had to do some readjustments along the way. <laughs> yep. Sounds <laughs> familiar. Yes. Yes, me too. I think I was always switching between good girl and my teenage years. I also was like the bad girl. And then, yeah, exactly like you. I went into the controlling woman because I was yeah, just afraid that my boundaries were going to hurt, right? And... Yeah, it's so sad. But maybe should we talk a little bit also then about this controlling behavior as a this coping mechanism? Yeah, yeah, I want to hear about that. Cool. That's, yeah, a, so that's a typical thing. Sorry, right? Yes. So what you were just be so beautifully saying is that you were this good girl and maybe at some point you were like, oh my gosh, you realize that you have these pleasing tendencies and as people walk all over you, maybe you had a bit of few unhealthy relationships where you were treated really bad. And then you realize, oh my gosh, I don't want that anymore. And then you're like, okay, how can I be the opposite? And the opposite seems almost like a man, you know, someone who is <clears throat> super strong, super independent, who is like, says things like, oh, I don't need men or um, um, I'm always going to be like, I'm going to be the boss in the household, something like this. And then they often become very bossy and maybe they even kind of like, feel good about how maybe they can command the man around and like show off. And it's understandable, right? It's like the kind of like the pendulum swing. It's like the reaction to this real state of powerlessness and helplessness. But yeah, the problem is that in both states, you cannot form authentic connections because in the, when you are a good girl, you're just pleasing and your needs are never going to be met and you cannot be seen. And also with the controlling woman, I mean, you maybe get more you will, but men can't connect with you. No one really can connect with you. And you're going to be very lonely, lonely, lonely person. And so, and in both cases, of course, like, it's like, yeah, it's an extreme, I would say, of the, of the feminine. And in both cases, more or less, the heart is closed, which I think is so important as a woman to learn how to really open your heart because that's where you connect. But if you don't have boundaries, you cannot open your heart because it's very dangerous and if you're a controlling woman, you don't want to open your heart because you think someone will hurt you and use you, you know. That's right. And destroy your castle. Yes. <laughs> leave the kitchen, leave the yes. kitchen made a mess and all those things. Exactly. <laughs> like you said before, when they care more about the kitchen than about the emotional connection. Exactly, exactly. 
Totally. And they also long actually that someone comes and destroys the castle, right? And mm. connects with their heart. Yeah. Mm-hmm. How can a woman, businesswoman, a career oriented woman, successful in those areas, have a loving relationship with a man? Yeah. Because they spend a lot of time, right? In their masculine style, at work, in their business. Totally. Yeah. So. What I would recommend to my clients is, first of all, to become conscious of how does it feel to be in this masculine and how does it feel to be in this feminine, and then to really um, feel into, uh, am I longing for being in the feminine? Does that feel good to me? And usually when you do a bit of inner work with women, they all like it, you know, because it's so relaxing. And of course, you can create super harmonious and very fulfilling relationships with men. So if they say, yes, that's what I want, then I recommend that after they come home from work, that they do like a small ritual where they kind of like switch, you know, it's often always good to, for example, shower and change your clothes. And then I do a practice that I dance for 10 minutes. Like it doesn't have to be a long time, but just that you make the switch and saying, okay, I'm not anymore my career self where yes I have to be hard and I'm going to be assertive you know and it's, it's also nice of course right it's like sometimes nice to be like this boss babe and be like yeah but then when I go home I can relax and I can be a woman with my man and it's okay to let him lead you know and it's okay to sometimes be maybe a little more slow and kind of like not decisive you know all those things I think it's actually it can be so beautiful because then you can you can express like both of your sides but I think what you need to develop is this real awareness of how the states feel and really this mental flexibility and become aware of your deep desires because as you were saying right the controlling woman very often is the career woman and she's not aware of her desire And also she's, of course, afraid, you know, that someone will hurt her. So she never gets out of that state. And what I wanted to add, of course, here, it doesn't just have negative effects on relationships, but also usually with herself. Like this is often when women get burnout, health problems, you know, because being in this energy all the time, it's like, woof, even when I think about it, I feel so exhausted, you know? Yeah. How can a woman know whether they have this feminine and they genuinely want to behave, show up as in their feminine energy rather than in the masculine when they've been so conditioned into the masculine from an early age, let's say, for different reasons. How can they really know? Because some are so confused. They really believe their energy, their core energy is the masculine one. When you can see there is not, but they do believe it. So how can they know that? Oh yeah, that's, that's so true. And that's the thing, right? Like, so I like to look at people in levels and the conditioning is always like the first one or two levels, you know, depending on how deep it went in in childhood. And so when I work with people, I do also inner child work. And I really like one of my main goals is I always say to them, you don't listen to me. Like we want to help you connect with your inner intuition because you always know, like, you know, you know, what's really there. And usually the easiest way to do that, to get in touch is to connect with 
your authentic desires. And for example, how that works is let's say you do like a visualization with someone and then you walk them like through a forest and then you say around the corner is the thing that you really, really want, you know, and then you walk with them and then there's a symbol and then usually some emotions come up and beyond these emotions is the vulnerable real self you know, and maybe in the beginning, it's even like, oh, it feels a little strange, but usually it feels like a homecoming. And then you always know that is the true deep feeling. And it's never going to be like that. I'm, um, I'm never going to press them or tell them this is what women want, you know? No, like, it's really like I'm waiting for this, this inner knowing. And I think as a coach, if you are very sensitive and really like, I think that my clients know and feel that I really want the best for them. And it's it's not in my interest that they see me as the expert at all. Like I want to reconnect them with their own inner power. And I think that they can feel that. And then they build this trust to actually let this wall go. And the thing is also, I'm not telling them you don't need to change anything, even if you don't want, right? That is even a second step, but let's first find out what are your inner desires. And then we can see how you can do that. And I'm also not going to prescribe to them, you know, that suddenly you have to wear pink or something. <laughs> like it's a real conscious choice. And, and that's usually how you can help them eliminate this fear, you know, because of course it's scary for them, as you said, right? It's scary because they always perceive the feminine to be weak. Yes, that's yeah. right. And that's the problem. And I hope that, for example, we can show them, even model for them, what it means to be a, a feminine woman in her power, and that it's actually a very powerful place to be. Definitely, yeah. But like you're saying, the society is so toxic. It it values, it rewards the masculine. So then women feel not good enough in their feminine. So yeah. then they start modeling the masculine to feel good mm-hmm. enough. Yeah, exactly. And also because there's almost no role models of these strong feminine women, because almost everyone we see on TV or politicians, right? The women are all masculinized. So you don't know. Like for me, I think what really convinced me was because I did a lot of tantric workshops with real tantric masters. And for for everyone who doesn't know tantra, it's not just like, you know, the, the Indian, like, sort of like sex stuff no no it's like a very deep spiritual practice where we, we want to understand on the deepest level the the masculine and the feminine and i saw some women that were so embodying the feminine they had done a lot of work with their bodies you know with meditation and i was like wow the divine feminine is so amazing so that's also why my journey is that i I want to embody this, you know, I want to be visible on YouTube being like, I'm a feminine woman, you know, I'm with my husband in this relationship. Look, look what it looks like. You know, he, he absolutely hundred percent respects me, but I'm not, I'm never criticizing him. You know, I'm never like demanding him, commanding him around. He values me like this is, this is what it looks like, you know, to be in the feminine. I think that's, what's really important for these women so that they can see that, um, it's it's a very different it's a very different kind of power that they just never have seen. That's right. I like that you all you you can invite your your partner in the in your world the world that you do. I've seen some pictures of him because often our clients say that. Well, I mean, often we realize that something that inspires our clients the most is actually 
nothing of what we teach, what we share, what we say, nothing. It's just our dynamic, our energy. Yeah. And some people call it the magic couple. <laughs> <laughs> but I think it's true and it's so important. The, the, the moment that we don't get along because we're both trying to lead when we work together, which is masculine and the masculine, it can be chaotic. That can be the, the, the worst thing that we could do for our clients because we are actually inspired, inspiring them in a negative way. Yes. Wow. I so, I so see that. And this is what I really love about your work. Exactly what you were saying. Because also when we think about it, right? People always learned through stories and through modeling throughout history, right? Through how that's how we evolved. So that's why I think this is so powerful. And, and yeah, that's why I love what you guys are doing. I think it's absolutely amazing. And also for your clients, I think, as you said, even to spend time with you would be so healing for them yeah, because yeah. a friend of mine once said this, she was in a very, very long journey of healing because her dad is an alcoholic, him and her mother had like always a terrible relationship. She said to me, Veronica, you guys are the only couple I've ever met that have like a healthy relationship. And I'm like, yeah. And she's like, I don't even have anything to 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 base on what I want you know of course I'm getting into unhealthy relationships because no one has ever shown me and and that's the thing and that's why yeah I said to my husband also the other day because he's always a bit shy with like YouTube I said like babe it would be very good for my business and for the world if you would come a bit more on exactly I like know? it a lot, yeah. Also, you're very feminine, Veronica. As soon as I met you, I just, uh, that is so important for me that, um, you're actually inspiring people with the way you talk, you know, how you show up. Um, yeah, it's so important because I've worked with other coaches and relationship coaches and it's just so uncomfortable. I don't even feel safe. They have such a strong masculine energy. It's just really off-putting. And if I don't understand what we are talking about here, I would just think, well, I don't know, maybe I have a trauma or something, <laughs> you know, but it's just that, that the different styles sometimes, if it's extreme, just because you, you see a lady beautifully done, dressed, but then the energy is so masculine, so strong, it just doesn't add up. There's some cognitive dissonance. And, and of course, they're single. I mean, what is the partner? And sometimes they work with another male coach. And you see the male coach looking at the lady, the, at the female coach, almost asking for permission. Aka, nice guy syndrome. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because I really love this also in our pre-conversation, you told me about this, that you guys are so conscious of the masculine feminine dynamic in the coaching. And I think that is so amazing. And I think it's really revolutionary because I also find this in the space that, of course, we also have, you know, different schools right now, or let's say different belief systems, you know, around the feminine masculine. I would say some coaches probably also think that, oh, it's not important at all. It's just people, which I totally respect. But for me, I have also found is that if you, if you don't know about it, if you don't think about it, relationships are very, very, very difficult. And, and of course also, yeah, the other thing always is that 
I always tell this to my husband, you know, that we spend a lot of money on therapy, coaching, working with different people, right? Because I said to him, like, our relationship, this is what my work is based on, right? So we have to really, yeah, just flow together and, you know, show, know. right? What's example, possible, right? Yes. yes. And I also understand some coaches have been divorced and stuff, and you can learn a lot from this. I totally understand that. But I also think that it's the same as would you go to like a fitness instructor that has is really overweight, right? I mean, it's, it's a bit the same thing. So yeah, and, and I want to also show this, you know, I always say this to my clients, like Matt and I, we put a lot of work in and I'm testing all my things on him and then I give it to you. <laughs> I know, that's right. If, when, this is when our relationship is a love, right? We test everything in the lab. <laughs> exactly, the lab, yes. <laughs> Luckily, he's always happy to be the lab partner. <laughs> okay, yeah. I got two questions about dating, but I want I want one two last questions. But before that, I want to ask you: What's the connection between between the polarity attraction, specifically, and trauma? Hmm. Yes. <clears throat> okay. So, um. Trauma informs everything, right? So the first seven years of our life is when we form our core personality. Um, and this really gets so influenced by all the experiences we have. And so even let's say someone is 20 years old, their preferences, you know, what they want, what they think very often are so connected with this first seven years of your life. So let's say you are a 20 year old and you're a woman and you as you said, you feel so good in your masculine and you are convinced that you are a masculine polarity, but you have not done actually deeper work to look into the first seven years. Maybe something has happened there that made you terrified, terrified of vulnerability, right? So you actually live in like illusion, you know, you, you are, you are believing your own lies. You're believing your own protective mechanisms. So we can only know what your real attraction is, what your real polarity is. Once you have done that work to shed those layers, that's why, for example, I do this work, what I said before with women to connect them with their deeper desires. And this is like so important because for everything in life, you know, not just for relationships, like if you have this fake personality, you can never create a life that feels good to you because you always, you know, not going to make the right choices for you. Right. So, yeah, so, so trauma really informs everything. And then also, for example, in a couple where the polarity is, um, is reversed is the same thing often. Um, and I always say, you know, like, uh, I really believe that there are so many different phenomenons, but until you have done the work to actually understand who you are on an authentic level, then only you can really know what is your, what is your truth. And then maybe you are an outlier and that's beautiful. And I command you, and that's probably your spiritual path. But often I think what we find is that we, that people actually, yeah, fall in this, in this, um, sort of like desire, which is women love to be feminine and men masculine. And that's how they attract the partners. I see. So the nice syndrome and the controlling bitch woman, these are the various polarities as a cause of a trauma, right? Mm hmm. Yeah. So how about the good girl and the macho, the hyper-masculine man and the hyper-feminine woman? How yeah. about that? Is that also a trauma? Yes, exactly. So, for example, <clears throat> the good girl would be a little girl 
that has that for example had some emotionally unsafe person around so they learned to be whatever that person needed in that moment mm -hmm. to really be able to read their emotions right so that's a typical very empathic little girl mm -hmm. and then also there was a lot of shame usually that she was constantly getting criticized if she was doing things that her parents didn't approve of basically right so that's the the traumatic experience and really When we talk about trauma, we don't always mean someone gets beaten, but just, you know, the way we parent right now, there's a lot of shame, guilt, not seeing the kids, right? That's what we mean with trauma. So, yeah. So then she's a, again, a 20 year old with a mask and within deep down, there is her aggression. She knows exactly what she wants, right? She's a strong person, but the outside mask personality is just kind of like helpless. And, oh my gosh, I just look for some guy, you know, that I can focus on and make my universe exactly and for the macho man the same thing so he probably grew up in a quite a harsh environment where he had to fend for himself maybe there was a lot of beliefs around little boys don't cry <clears throat> maybe like sort of like a dad who always wanted him to be super tough um or no one that was modeling any you know sensitive emotions for him Or it could also be that he maybe had a super controlling mother and was, you know, to like push her away because he found it so horrible, this constant controlling that he became like a macho to repel her, to fight against her. So again, we have a 20 year old man who he has the masculine qualities, right? Of assertiveness, knows what he wants and all that stuff, but he's completely disconnected from his inner vulnerable self, from his fear, from his sadness. Um, and from his desire maybe to connect on a more deeper level. That's right. I love it. Thank you. <laughs> so so how about conscious dating? Why is conscious dating is so important? Yeah. So that was just so perfect, these two questions after each other, because <laughs> as you can see, when you, let's say, you are, you want to date in your 20s or 30s particularly, and then you realize, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, actually, maybe my personality is a little bit fake. I need to do some deeper work. And you're in this process. As I said, like you have to always like question a little bit your own immediate desires and attraction. Because let's say you are this controlling woman that feels unsafe being vulnerable. You are immediately maybe going to be attracted to guys that you can easily control right? Because that feels super safe for you. So maybe unconsciously when you, let's say when you're dating, because most people date like, oh, I think I like that person. And then they start to date. But if you do that, the chances are really high that, for example, you meet a super nice guy that becomes your child and you can actually, it's very hard then to relax into the feminine, right? So you have chosen an unconscious partner and then you have this very chaotic, turbulent relationship. Um, and additionally, also, maybe you are not even aware what you are actually looking for. So, you know, so it's a, it's an unconscious thing. So when I talk about conscious dating, but what I do with my clients is that first of all, I get really aware what are their deep desires, then to communicate this, you know, on the dating app, and then also to really assess the other person. Okay, because you can see it in the first, I mean, I spot a nice guy, like <laughs> you probably too, right? Like you can see a nice guy, like, really? yes, or an emotionally an available man. I mean, oh you can God. spot it. Yeah, straight away. Yeah, that's it, right. The red, the red flags 
and right there in front of our nose. 100%. Exactly. When we are not ready to see them, we do not see them. <laughs> exactly. Or when we just, when we have this belief, you know, that love is in the air and oh, yeah. you know, um, it just happens. You know, like this attitude about dating, yeah. I find that yeah. so, so unhealthy for people because it's a major life decision that you're taking. You would never do this. I apply for a job. Oh, yeah. maybe. Oh, I feel like it. No, no, no. You'd be like, you would think about it. You would look at the company. You know, you'd be like, well, Veronica, I, I, I love what you're saying. I mean, seriously. I mean, I, I just feel so sad. <sighs> I don't know how to put it when I see. No, it's not sad. It's so concerned when I see so many ladies. When I go to the center of Cardiff, where I live, and, and I see everyone partying, drinking, and drunk, and just dating, and just meeting, you know, oh, my God. I, I just see there's so many children who are going to come from those mm, encounters, you know, when they, they don't even know each other. They don't know each other. And like you said before, the trauma attracts, really. <laughs> we often attract the person that is going to teach us what we need to learn or what we need to see that we were not ready to see. And it's not to make us happy that relationship is to torture us <laughs> until we learn our lessons. Yes. So it's just important. Conscious dating. I love it. You help people, right? With the dating in a conscious yes. way. Yes, exactly. It's like, because often people have always had the same, as you were saying, right? Chaotic, unfulfilling relationship again and again, like the same pattern with a different person. And then they come to me and be like, Veronica, I want to stop this. What's happening? That's right. And then I teach them all this. And I want to really say to everybody, like you and I, right? We can spot the red flags because we have been observing and learning. We are like experts on this topic, but everyone can do that really because it's a it's a human ability to be able to spot red flags and often what is stopping us is beliefs like there are not enough people out there or you know some unconscious i want to resolve my traumas or something but if you if you I, i have found that if you do a little bit of coaching with people it goes really fast you know that they can spot it so it's a really good news i want to tell to everybody that it's really not it's not witchcraft you know yeah yes, no no i know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> that's right i love it <laughs> yeah i was definitely the good girl for years dating the nice guys and so i felt loved i felt safe but i didn't feel any attraction and when it came to having sex at night it was just so horrible mm -hmm. because i felt guilty they were so lovely i did want to please them but it felt horrible because i felt nothing really no attraction like you were talking about attraction nothing really it was so sad and so bad i felt they were my brothers and they were actually giving me the strength that i was not having because i was a good girl i was needing that 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 little masculine energy i didn't have that And then I moved to the beach, a controlling woman, and then I started to attract. <laughs> oh my God. Exactly. Nice guys. Or, or I would have a lot of matches, you know, when I was in good girl, really like it was horrible, like a lot of attraction, a lot of tension and danger, like you were saying before, but not really safe, feeling safe or feeling loved. 
loved and and it was so devastating really like crying at 2am in the middle of the night without my car keys without my phone he locked the door he let me outside like uh, at some point I asked myself what's wrong with me honestly Mm -hmm. (laughs) what is it about me why what am I doing here in the middle of the street in the middle of the night kicked out of my partner what the hell yes totally oh my god oh and thank you yeah, just thank you so much for sharing this because I think what you're describing, this is the experience, unfortunately, of the modern woman is exactly that, right? Either nice guys feel no attraction or machos, right? It's, it's really exciting. It's, it's a deep need, you know, to feel excited. I really, really get it. But then, as you were saying, completely unsafe and also just so much drama. I'm always like, what I've spent time in my life with relationship drama. Oh my God. Like it's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> you hit the nail, Veronica, because I was so addicted to listen to romantic songs to indulge in my pain. <laughs> oh my yes. God. And I called that healing, healing work. I call that healing work. Yes. <laughs> Those I, I feel you, yes, 100%. Um, and just lastly, yeah, like that's what I also really would like, would love for people to get from this is that they make this decision at some point to be like, do you know what? I'm done with it because I have so much to do in my life. I have so much, you know, to experience, to create that. Do I really want to keep on with this dramatic, traumatic relationships or do you want to do some work and learn how to consciously date and attract like a life partner? you know, where actually I can build something with and don't have this constant chaos all the time because that's why people are so stuck. All their life they spend on Tinder and just uh, crying, you know? That's right, yeah. <laughs> yeah definitely. Yeah. Okay, I got a last question. Uh, Veronica, I need to push myself here because we've been talking for an hour and I would love to speak with you for the rest of the day, <laughs> all day long. <laughs> How about pregnancy and the ticking clock? So many women want to have a partner because they want to have a baby and they're so confused for the reason why with the partners. And tell me more about this. What is the pregnancy clock? Yes. So I would say that this is also a really new phenomenon because even I would say 50 years ago, you know, it was the sort of like the culture said to women go to school maybe a little bit work a little bit but then in your 20s you're gonna be a mom right and from a biological perspective makes a lot of sense right because it's a good age to have children just from a biological standpoint but now our society has shifted so much so we do a lot of studying for a very long time and then the messaging for women in their 20s is always you have more than enough time. You have more than enough time. You know, just live your life. You live your best life. Don't even think about a relationship. But then, unfortunately, the problem is that clients come to me that are 35, 36, 37, absolutely terrified that soon maybe they can't have babies anymore and they would love one. They want to get married. They have been, maybe they had a long relationship from 28 till 35, then they broke up and now they stand like this, you know? And yeah, and that's such a big issue nowadays. And I think that in 10 years, there's going to be a lot of women who are deeply grieving because they missed that window. So of course, what I then help those women is to, yeah, to really 
do the conscious dating. Yeah. Often they don't know how to look for available men, right? For men, because many men want the same, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I then, then do with them. But of course, I can also understand they don't want to just have a baby with the first one. So yeah, dating takes time, right? So um, I think that this is an issue that I hope as a society we have to address where we just have to change the messaging to women. We're saying like, hey, um, really think about it because think about your life in your 20s already. You know, do you want to be a mother? Is maybe a good time to be a mother in your 20s or maybe uh, maybe end of 20s? And then you can uh, design your life around this. And I'm not saying that's easy, right? Because it's also not fair. I totally understand that, you know, our society is not made for women to participate really and sort of like have the same level of careers. So it's a really deep conversation, I think, that has to be had. But yeah, I just wanted to show every woman that this is a real thing that's happening now. So just be so conscious in your 20s if you want a family. I like that. Definitely, Veronica. Uh, sure. I love it. <laughs> yes, I, I totally agree. What can I say? <laughs> Thank you so much for this uh, conversation today. Exciting conversation today. For all our uh, listeners, uh, I'm going to put the link of the secret guide to satisfying relationships here then in this uh, video or audio that Veronica is willing to give you. So you can start diving into your exciting conscious dating <laughs> or, or just discover how you can transform your relationship if you have one right now. Oh, wonderful. It was such a joy being here. Thank you for this awesome conversation. See you, Veronica. My pleasure. It's been really nice. Thank you. Okay, that's all for today. Thanks again for joining us. And please remember to subscribe and to leave us a review. Who could you share this episode with that needs to hear this message? Share this episode and remember that the quality of your relationship determines the quality of your life. See you on the next episode.